Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen of Calvary Chapel Pearland. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. Why didn't you do better with what you had? Can we not do better with what we have? But Solomon simply chose not to. But in reviewing Solomon's life, there's several great things we can learn from Solomon. The first thing that comes to mind is do not turn away from God. Be adamant about keeping your mind focused on God. You get off in the TV set, you get off in the video games, you get off in the other things. Etch a sketch, shake your head and clear, come back. Sorry, God got off, distracted. Sorry about that. That's what David did. God did not fault him for that. David messed up. But David always said, I have sinned. I'm sorry. I'm back. Let's let's get tracking again. Don't turn away from God. The second thing is that we learn from Solomon's life is that God will equip you for your calling. And I say that with, how do I put it? Maybe not pain, but just, I don't, a sense of, I don't deserve it unworthiness. Guys, of all the people in this building that should be standing here speaking as a pastor, I am the least guy that should be, I shouldn't be here. I know what I've done, but God has equipped me to do this work. God will equip you for your calling. God gave Solomon wisdom. He gave him wealth, everything that Solomon needed to rule Israel with. Remember, that's how he got it. Solomon said, Lord, give me what I need to rule these people well. And the Lord says, here you go. And he gave it to him. Same goes for you. Your calling, God will equip you for it. But probably the biggest lesson that we learn from Solomon is that just because you started out really good with the Lord, that doesn't automatically mean you're going to finish good. I've seen a lot of people start off great and then have a little bit of a downward decline and then ran themselves straight in the dirt. And also, guys, just because somebody runs in the dirt doesn't mean they never had a point where they started out good. But it doesn't mean you're going to finish well just because you started off good. Solomon started off really good, but then he got tempted and he fell off into sin. Solomon was ordered by God. One of the things he did wrong was do not do business with Egypt. Don't do business with your former oppressor. And even though Solomon was already super rich, he had lots of wealth. What he did was he did business with Egypt to gather up more wealth for himself. And there was specific things written in the law that God said, no king of Israel shall accumulate wealth for himself and build for himself. And that's exactly what Solomon did. It became a, I want more, I want more, I want more. And friends, when you think like that, when you think I got to have more stuff, I got to have more money. And it's, you know what? It's never enough. Solomon was super rich. He didn't have enough. He still tried. He went to an, a former oppressor. God said, don't go there. And he did business with bad people that God, sh- God said, don't do that because it was just never enough. That happens in our world right now. That's what all that argument out there is all about. It's everybody wants what they want for me. I want what I want for me. 
and it causes wars. I want you to look at 1 Timothy 6, 9. It says, those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. It's a snare. It's a trap, like a wolf. He gets his, that little snapper, grabs his leg, and he can't get out of it. That's what wanting more will do to you. So who here wants to be rich? <laughs> this isn't, being rich is not the sin. It's wanting more. It's the love of it is the problem. If this is you, always about yourself. What can I get more for me? I want more of this and I want that. Guys, you are headed for trouble. Oh, but I started out so good in the Lord. I remember when I gave my life to Jesus, Solomon gave his life. And he went down, just because you start out well doesn't mean you end up, end up well. Be careful. Don't get caught in this trap. People that have that kind of lust, people that come along with that lust beside you, like Solomon's wives did, they will pull you into it. Be careful of the company you keep. 1 Corinthians fifteen thirty three. do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Solomon had great character. But he, started mar- he first married that Egyptian woman to seal a peace deal with Egypt. He could have said, no, 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 I'm not doing it like that. The Lord of Israel, the Lord God of Israel says, I'm not to intermarry. We'll just make a peace treaty on paper. But no, he did it man's way. And there it went. It got in trouble. Don't do things. Oh, well, that's the way everybody does it. Do it the way God tells you to do it. Solomon allowed himself to be taken by those who were foreign. They were not of his kingdom. I'm going to say that again because I want this to stick. Don't get involved deeply with those who are not of your kingdom. It can be bad character. You hear what I'm saying? Christian, when you give yourself to Jesus, do not give yourself to foreign gods who are not of the Lord's kingdom. Do not follow their gods, the people that try to draw you in, Do not follow their gods. Do not worship what they worship. And do not do what they do. Solomon should not have tried to accumulate for himself. His wealth was to be used for God's kingdom. That's what he was supposed to use it for. Christian, the same goes for us, for you and me. Our wealth is not for us. It is for us to invest back into the kingdom of God so that we can glorify Him with it. Don't get caught into this more for me. Then you have just turned your back on the Lord God and pursued false gods. That's not in God's kingdom. Don't follow that. If you always work to glorify yourself, that's when you know you followed false gods. So do you remember what Solomon said at the temple dedication? I want to show you in 1 Kings 8.58. Solomon said he asked that he may incline our hearts to himself to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments. He asked the Lord for the very thing that Solomon broke. Like I said, for a while, Solomon was really inclined to the Lord. I've seen people, they come in with this Christian energy. Oh yeah, I'm church all the time. They're all excited and then they're gone. Where'd they go? Flame out. Somebody drew them off with something. But so many people, they have this proclamation day. That's what Solomon was doing. Oh, Lord, incline our hearts to you, that we will follow you and obey and all that. But then he broke it. So there's a lot of people, they have this proclamation day like that. Oh, I'm going to follow Jesus. But then there comes that point that they fall into temptation, and then they get deceived by the bad company they keep. 
Oh, but I had a big proclamation day, oh Lord. But look where you're at now. You got to review yourself from time to time, right? And so friends, just because somebody starts out well, that doesn't mean they're going to finish well. When, you know, when people tell me, I love Jesus and I'm a Christian, I follow Jesus, but I see them hanging out with the foulest company, I don't buy it. Nobody else will either. Oh, you may have been starting off good at one time, but who else is going to believe you if you're making that, holding on to that proclamation you made 30 years ago, but you're acting like the devil today? They don't realize they're headed towards a tragic end like Solomon did. Guys, we really need to learn from what happened to Solomon. And friends, I'll also tell you, be careful of the company that you keep. But this is why the body of Christ is such a good place to be. Well, gosh, I got to leave all my friends to go to church. Then get friends in church. (laughs) We do fun stuff. We're fun. (laughs) We do things. I try to be fun. I look like a dork doing it, but you know, hey, whatever. So God had called Solomon to do great things, but Solomon sinned. And so God, he had to execute harsh judgment against him. He had to. However, Solomon was under the Davidic covenant. It was David's line. Solomon was a son of David. He was in that covenant. Okay, here's where I'm going to get you. This is where you really need to buckle down and listen. He had to be judged, harsh judgment, but he was under covenant at the same time. And so that Davidic covenant was God's unconditional promise to fulfill it regardless of Solomon's behavior. Remember what God said through Ahijah. I want to take you back to 1 Kings 11, 34 that we read. He said, I will not take the whole kingdom out of his hand because I have made him ruler all the days of his life for the sake of my servant David. So there's the promise he has to keep. Whom I chose because... He kept my commandments and my statutes, but I will take the kingdom out of his son's hand. I'm going to put it all on his son. So how was God supposed to execute judgment against Solomon without breaking his covenant with David? Now, when I read, that's what I see. You're going to to hit this guy hard, but yet you got to keep a promise with him too. If this was left up to me, I wouldn't know what to do. That to me is the big paradox. I, I, I don't see how to work both ends out. This is the promise paradox, paradox, because it seems that doing one thing would cancel the other. So the key to all of this here is where he said, for the sake of my servant, David, that's the key for the sake. The definition of sake means for the purpose of concerning, concerning my, my, my servant, David, for his purpose. For David's sake, the kingdom would be torn away from Solomon's son. In other words, even though Solomon messed up big time, because he was under covenant, then for David's sake, then the judgment that Solomon deserved would fall on someone else. I hope you're hearing me. God literally said, I will take the kingdom not from him, but out of Solomon's son. I will take this all out on somebody else. I want to show you a profound statement. Matthew 12, 42. Someone greater than Solomon is here. Take a wild guess who said that. Jesus Christ said that. Messiah Jesus. Friends, God called us to do great things. But we all sinned, and so God has to execute harsh judgment against us for that sin. 
And this is our very own promised paradox. But how can God take out his harsh judgment upon us without destroying us and thereby destroying all the promises that God has offered us? Here's how. Get under the covenant of Jesus Christ. Quick. His covenant is unconditional, meaning it's not based on what you do. It's based on what Jesus did on the cross. And because of sin... We stood in opposition to God, but the paradox promise of Jesus works it all out, causing the judgment that we deserve to fall on someone else, on Jesus Christ at the cross. Amen? Amen. Did you know the gospel was in 1 Kings in the Old Testament? (laughs) There it is, right there. (laughs) And it is because of Jesus' sake. It is because of His sake, concerning His purpose, concerning Him. It's like He said, for David's sake, I'll keep you. It's because of Jesus' sake that God can take His wrath out on Jesus so that He does not have to take it out on you and me. He doesn't have to take it out on us. This is how God can keep His covenant promise without destroying us, by executing our judgment on someone other than you and me. Isaiah 53 and 5 says, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. That's how God worked out our paradox. We messed up, we're supposed to be judged for it. But if we get wiped out, how can he keep the promise? By putting it on somebody else. Paradox is resolved. That's how God did that. Now, I know y'all were thinking, because I brought it up. (laughs) You planted it in me, Ray. But maybe you were thinking, well, that wasn't fair for Solomon's son to take all the heat for what Solomon did. That wasn't fair. Well, let me ask you, was it fair for Jesus to take the heat for all that we did? No, it wasn't fair. It wasn't fair at all, but aren't you glad he did it? I'm thankful that he did that for me. And just like God did not take the whole kingdom away, but he left one tribe, just one tribe still open to preserve his covenant with David, God has left just one way, one way to preserve his covenant with you. Acts 4.12 nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. That's your one way to keep under covenant. Whoo, man, there it is. God would not have been able to offer the promise of salvation if there was no way for him to keep it. Romans 4, it talks about that God's promises, he's also able to perform them. God's not going to make a promise if he can't pull it off. So if he makes a promise, however impossible it may look to you, just trust that if God made it, he has a way to keep it. I know some people that think, There's, how, is, how can I be saved? I don't get how I could be saved. It's not based on you. It's based on him. This covenant is unconditional because it's based on Jesus' righteousness, not on ours. Because quite frankly, we have none. We have no righteousness at all. It all comes from the Lord. But some people take God's promise of grace as a license to go out and sin all they want to. Oh, you thought the sermon was over. Oh, almost, not quite. 
Oh, I'm saved. I can do what I want. There's that bad end. They take it as a sin license. I want you to remember that even though Solomon was under covenant, and I made that statement more than once, he was under covenant. God still said about him in 2 Samuel 7, 14, he says, when he does wrong, I will discipline him with a rod of men and with strokes of, of sons of mankind, but my favor shall not depart from him. You know, guys, I've noticed that everybody loves the part about salvation being a promise. And even I do. I like that part that it's promised. But that's usually where most sermons are done. Oh, you're saved. Get out of here. See you next time. And they go out and they act like devils for the rest of the week. I don't want to end like that. I want to do it different. Um, I'm going to end it with the fact that even if you're under the covenant with Jesus, if you fall away into sin, then God can raise up adversaries against you. That's the whole point of this chapter. Oh, the gospel, yay. But adversaries too. Oh, yeah. Gives you a moment of pause, doesn't it? To think about what you're doing. Remember how Jeroboam had grievances against Solomon, and I made an attempt based on the contextual circumstances to try to suggest why Jeroboam may have rebelled against Solomon, but we don't know exactly. But I remember I did say we should not get so fixated on the logistical details that we miss the bigger picture, that God simply raised him up to be an adversary, remember? So what I'm trying to say is that if you have adversaries working against you in your life right now, instead of getting yourself so fixated on the details of why they're against you, this business deal, that I, this happened, that, don't, you get so concentrated on that, don't get so hung up on why I suggest that you use your faith to look to the bigger picture, and perhaps you'll see that God is using these adversaries to judge a sin that you're too deceived to see. Don't get so hung up on why they're doing it. Why, how, why did I, who, what? Maybe there's something bigger above all our heads. Why they're doing that. God may have raised them up. Maybe uh, God is using these adversaries to judge a sin you can't see. Maybe he's trying to move you to some place that you don't want to go. Who knows? Perhaps like Solomon, maybe you have allowed false gods in your life and it has caused you to turn from the Lord and you just don't see it yet. And you're blaming it on the adversary. God may be using them. I don't know. You're going to have to look at that possibility. Aside from this too, don't let your situation get so bad that you let it bring you to a tragic end like Solomon did. I believe Solomon was saved. This isn't to say he wasn't. I believe he was. I believe we're going to see him in heaven one day. But even those who start out well can fall down. And I don't want that to be me. And I know you don't want it to be you. So now you've got to reflect on all the little things going on in your life, the things that are working against you. What is God trying to do with you? Don't go to war with that situation. Take it to God. Say, God, I got this bad thing, and I don't get it. What is it? And maybe God will say, here's what it is. And usually he's going to point at you. Here's what's wrong. Not them, them, them. You know, you notice how everybody blames everybody else for everything going on. We need to stop blaming and look at ourselves for a minute and say, Lord, where am I messing up? Because it follows me. It's probably me. <laughs> you know, let's keep our eyes on the Lord and pay, pay close attention to our walk with him. Because friends, God is a promise keeper. And that promise that God made for David, for someone to rule on the throne, that's ultimately going to be fulfilled someday. 
when King Jesus, the son of David, takes that throne on Mount Zion in Jerusalem. Now, you know why God is so adamant about keeping that Davidic covenant clear cut, don't you? You can see why he implemented the things the way he did to keep that. Because friends, the promise of our salvation is in this. God was thinking about you all the way back then, keeping that line for Messiah Jesus, our Savior, to rule, even as far back as Solomon's day, because God made a promise and He's going to keep it. Numbers 23, 19, God is not a man that He should lie, nor a son of man that He should repent. Has He said, and will He not do? Or has He spoken, and will He not make it good? You know, if you read that that if you confess the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. That will be is a promise. Will be means you will. And I even ask unbelievers this when I show them that text. I said, what does that mean? They say, well, the last person I asked, they said, well, it's going to happen. I said, that's, that's a great way to put it. It's going to happen. But God has to keep that promise once He makes it, and He holds it, not you. It's just our reverent duty to be obedient to him because of it. God is a good promise keeper, isn't he? We would not be saved if he could not hold a promise. Friends, we found ourselves in a real paradox with God, but Jesus worked it all out in the end. That's why you can know that you are not worthless, you are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word in 1 Kings 11. Oh, Lord, we failed. We failed bad. You gave us the terms up front. We knew. And we broke your word. We broke your law. And we became guilty. And, Lord, we didn't deserve to have that condemnation skip over the top of us. We should have taken every bit of it. But because you love us, and because you know how to work paradox problems out, And because you're a promise keeper, Lord, you sent your son Jesus to die in our place. And it wasn't fair when you really look at it objectively, but you did it because you wanted us. You didn't want heaven empty. You wanted us there. Lord, if Jesus hadn't died on the cross, heaven would have been empty and hell would have been full. So I'm thankful that you came after me, Lord God. Thank you, Lord, that you put what was due me on someone else so that you could keep your promise for me without destroying me, yet get your judgment executed at the same time. God, how you pulled that off is amazing. Me looking at it as a paradox, I'd have never figured it out. But you knew what you were doing when you set all this up in eternity past. Thank you for saving us. You're the only one that can. And so we're going to praise your name one more time here today as we're together in the body in thankfulness for what you have done for us. For those on the stream, if you have not given your life to Jesus, here's how you do it. Right where you're at, pray with me. Father, I've sinned. I blow it. Forgive me. I accept your your gift of, of grace to be saved. Thank you for putting my death penalty on Jesus at the cross so that I don't have to die with it. And thank you for your promise of salvation. I accept, and I will follow you the rest of my days. Thank you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank 
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen of Calvary Chapel Pearland. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set.